Welcome in to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's a Thursday morning here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. As always, this CF Podcast Network is fueled by our friends at Cody Road and every one of the spirits at the Mississippi River Distilling Company. Uh, I got Brent Bloom here. No Cody Road at this time. It's 10.57 in the morning. That might be a little bit early for some Cody Road, but it's never too early to talk about the NBA. What's up, Brent? Yeah, it's been a interesting playoffs. Fun to see some new blood around. I've actually enjoyed these probably more than, you know, I love watching LeBron. I think he's been great for the game and some of the old guard, but it's, it's fun to see some new teams and uh, get experience, get to see them experience the playoffs at a high level. And just seeing fans back in the arena has been awesome. Uh, great viewing experience. You know, the bubble was fine, but it just, it just wasn't the same. And this has been great. Yeah. I think that the, what the bubble gave us was like basketball in a pure form of just, it was just basketball. There was like, I mean, obviously there was all of the social justice messages and stuff like that, but like once the game started, it was just basketball, which I think was cool for hardcore basketball people, like what you and you and I are, but I think for the average person, it probably was not near as interesting, but I think that anybody that watched that game uh, Tuesday night, between Utah and Los Angeles and you hear how loud it got in that arena in Salt Lake city. And that's just what, that was the moment when I was like, man, this is playoff basketball right here because you could feel where even once Utah had kind of gotten down, they missed the 21 consecutive shots in the first half. Yeah. Like the fans kind of willed them back into the game. And George Niang hit that three that put them ahead in the third quarter and, or, either late in the third yeah, or late third in, yeah, late third yep. yeah and um you couldn't even hear the announcers anymore and i was like man this is the kind of atmosphere that like i'm excited to be back in be a part of but it's just been you know and, and another part of it it's been really cool to see george have the success that he had uh, has had so far you know monte had a ton of success during that first round series i wrote a really glowing column about him earlier this week and now he's yeah. uh, i think two of 17 from the field in the first two yep. games of this series yep. against, it's your fault stan yeah no, fault. it's all, all my fault but uh no it's it's been good so let, let's start with that denver phoenix series just because it's the one that's freshest uh, in both of our minds phoenix with takes a 2-0 lead last night and man i i have to be honest like i think from an iowa state angle like i'm shocked to see monte play as poorly as he has honestly yeah. and it it has been where it he is making some mistakes that i feel like are uncharacteristic for things that we've seen him not only at the professional level but going like way back uh of watching him play and that's been a real bummer I was really excited for that series and it has not been very fun through two games. No. And you saw uh, Michael Malone, the Nuggets coach come out after the game and said, our guys just quit in the second half and half for two games in a row, which is not something you want your coach talking about in the middle of the semifinals of the Western conference. And it, it was weird because I thought Monte played as well as he ever has in that blazer series. And you thought, okay, this guy is, is, you know, emerging as not a star, but one of those, you know, high level playoff success. Cause he was really good in the bubble too. Mm-hmm. And then he just, you know, he's not turned the ball over. So it's not like he's just throwing the ball away, but he just has not been efficient at all. And, you know, two of 17, like you said, just can't seem to buy a shot. And then, you know, their problem is then then Chris Paul has just schooled everybody, which is cool. You know, uh, as you get to my age, I'm 36 Uh, it's fun to see guys like Chris Paul who are still having success. You know, LeBron gets all the credit for his agelessness 
and Chris Paul is the same age. And so I'm, I'm happy for him. I think that guy hasn't gotten enough credit for his career and, and hopefully for him, the Suns are able to, you know, keep this going, but he's been fun. But yeah, he, Chris Paul's completely outplayed the Denver guards and obviously missing Murray hurts, but you know, Will Barton was a little better yesterday. They just need Monte or, or Campazzo or somebody to get it going. And Jokic is nowhere near enough. And, you know, credit to Phoenix, they guard, you know, I, everyone talks about Chris Paul and, you know, Devin Booker, but they, they can really defend and they're making life difficult for the nuggets and the nuggets have to get somebody going. Porter jr. Has been just as bad as Monte and Jokic has just not been enough. I, I don't see it. I mean, Denver will give them a, a run in, in, in their home arena. I don't think that series is over by any means, but Denver has just been lifeless. And this was kind of my concern with them coming into this series, especially in the first couple games where Phoenix was going to have a, I mean, they weren't going to have a ton more rest, but a little bit more rest than what Denver was. And just with Denver, not having that second guy who is like a true scorer, someone who can handle the ball. I mean, you're relying a lot on people who are role players, you know, as good as Monte has been like Monte, the best, I think Monte can be is a really elite role player. You know, Composo is probably the same way. Uh, You know, even a, uh, a Will Barton or um, whoever else, like the best that those guys are going to be is like an, a really good role player, but you need the, one of those guys to be your second best player. And that that's asking a lot of some of those guys. And I was just True. concerned that they were going to run out of gas after how tight some of those games were against Portland. And I think you've seen that it wouldn't shock me at all, you know, Friday night when, because Jokic, I think the, so I have a buddy who's going to the game in Denver uh, oh, awesome. Friday night when my, my best friend lives out there. And he, he said that they're saying around town that Jokic is going to get his MVP trophy at the game, uh, which is, I, I think is a good thing for the NBA to go back to doing that. But uh, you know, that that crowd is going to be crazy. It would not shock me at all if the nuggets came out and really kind of blitzed them early on in that game. And the Suns eventually just kind of were like, all right, we're going to move on to game four and, regroup because I, I think that they just needed a rejuvenation a little bit. That's a great point. Yeah. I don't think you write off the nuggets now they have been bad, but they just haven't shot the ball and you're right. They miss, they miss that second guy. They just don't have it. And you know, the blazers were so bad defensively and just were all year that I think you can kind of get caught in this comfort level of oh, we we can score no matter what. Well, maybe it was more the blazers defense rather than those role players having success in that blazer series. And now you get a Phoenix team that really defends and it's been difficult, but you get at home at elevation. It's going to be a great crowd for them. And I think they can pick up. I think they can get game three. In fact, I bet that, I don't know if that spread is, but I bet it's like a pick them. And then uh, we'll see. I don't think they're out of it. They need Mont, but Monte either, you know, Monte's got to get it going. So it's going to be fun to watch him. See if he can, he can bounce back and, and be a factor. So on Chris Paul, and I'm interested to know your perspective. I mean, is he the best point guard you've seen? Man, I mean, you gotta, you gotta put him right there, John Stockton. As far as I'm concerned, you know, just from a just a pure his ability to just manipulate defenders. He's not a great athlete, but he just manipulates you with you know his pace. It's not like he's just blitzing by everybody, but he's able to change change speeds, kind of lull you into sleep, and then make a play. I mean, he was brilliant. He was just brilliant last night at age 36 with 15 assists, no turnovers. I think he is. I think he's right there uh, with John Stockton as far as guys that I've seen. And he's done it now. The fact that he got that Oklahoma City team last year with a bunch of just randos 
to the did they know, have the worst record in the league this year yeah. or at least in the last yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean it's amazing how good that guy has been and it's almost a disappointment he's never reached the nba finals but maybe this is his time yeah and i it's just so, I mean, you kind of said this, it's amazing to see what he's been able to do. I mean, even now LeBron, I thought in this playoffs for the first time, he looked human. He did. Know? And I tweeted that out that night, the last game that they played where it was just, it feels like the end of an era kind of, but I mean, even Chris Paul's still like doing what he's doing, but with, it felt like where every time that you go into a season, like whoever was LeBron's team, LeBron is on there. You got to go through them to win the whole thing. Yeah. And that was the moment to me when it was like, man, without Anthony Davis, this team isn't anywhere near being a title contender. And it doesn't feel like even, you know, passing of the crown or anything like that, where it felt like Devin Booker had to take it from them or from LeBron. Like it was just, they kind of laid down. And, and I think that was what was disappointing to me was to see where LeBron didn't have that extra gear anymore. And, you know, I don't know. I, we both know LeBron is still going to be LeBron. Like there's going to be nights where he's going to come out and do the things that he's always done. But I just, I don't see a way unless they make some pretty significant changes in the off season where they're really, really good again. And in that kind of running, if I was Anthony Davis, I would really start to wonder if I made the right decision and, you know, hitching my, there. my wagon yeah. to that train for as long as he, he did. But it's just crazy to see what both of them have done. And then you look at Dwayne Wade and he's in every other commercial break with his new show, the cube, uh, where he's like helping people throw a random thing into a bucket or something like that. Yeah. And Cause like, they're the it, same age of us. Yeah. Right. Or, and then even Chris or like Chris Bosch is going into the hall of fame in September. Like, and those yeah. two guys are both still key players on championship type teams. It, it just goes to show that, you know, I think it's somewhat position dependent, um, but Chris Paul, has been able to stay in there just with, you know, kind of raw intelligence. Sometimes just, he's still fit. And he's, he's talked about it. He's, his diet has improved. I mean, he's become, you know, obviously just totally. Yeah. I mean, totally conscious about, I do need maximize everything to try and keep up and it's worked. I don't know how long he can keep doing it, but uh, fun to watch. I'll add Jason Kidd as another of the best point guards I've seen too. I should should mention that, but no, I think, I think Phoenix, I don't know. I mean, what's I pulled up the spread for that game on Friday night. It's Denver by two. Yeah. Okay. So it's right. Around, yep. Kind of as we expected. I think that that's smart. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, can Phoenix do it? I, maybe if they run into the nets, you know, with a healthy James Harden and that, that'd be an issue, but I don't know, man. I think I, they it, could be cool. It's cool to watch how they've gone from, you know, literally an afterthought to now they, they, they are a legit NBA title contender. Yeah. I, I think that these first two games have put it in my mind, like, man, if there's anybody who's going to beat the nets, I actually think it would probably be them because of how well they can guard. You've got Devin Booker. Who's that high level scorer? Like, you know, Chris Paul can match up with somebody. You got Jay Crowder who can, he yep. might not like be able to legitimately slow Kevin Durant down, but he's going to be a, enough of a menace a to bully, piss him off right. and like right. bully him. Like even like Aaron Gordon has always come off being like a pretty nice guy. And even last night, I think Aaron Gordon wanted to fight Drake, Jay Crowder and like those kinds of things. Like they've got all these guys, they've got these stars, but then they've also got these dudes who are just like, like I said, they're just menaces. Campaign is a menace. He he's turned into one. I like how he's yeah. got to embrace the villain attitude. It's like that same campaign, the one for Murray state, but yeah, he has. Yeah. And it's just, it's funny to see that team level up. And then Devin Booker just plays with so much swag, man. I love it. That guy. Is yeah. Special. He's he, he is really fun to watch. I think it's interesting because now, you know, if this was a pure basketball in the bubble, 
I think the Phoenix is right there talent-wise with anybody. I will say, though, Utah's home court is a complete game changer. Mm -hmm. And we saw in the second half on Tuesday night that that is why this the fact that there are fans back is a huge thing. I mean, we can talk about it in relation to Iowa State. If Iowa State had fans this year, they don't only win two games. Like, it matters. And I think the home court really will matter once you get to the the West coast finals and, and we'll see what happens. But um, I still think I, that Utah team, if they can shoot it well enough, I still, I think I give them the edge over Phoenix. If it, if it's those two. Well, and that's why the Clippers are at such a significant disadvantage in that series. I mean, every time they play at home, they're at a disadvantage because yeah. nobody cares. Nobody, cares there's nobody about there. The yep. I, and then, but you saw, yeah, the and the jazz have one of the most rabid fan bases and they're awesome at home. So I yeah. don't, you know, the fact that they came down from double digits in the second half to win that game shows you just how good that fan base can be. And if Donovan's, if Mitchell's getting 45, good luck. There was something I saw before the playoffs started where the tickets for game one of the Clippers series were going like, they were going for $30 just to get in the building. And then for the <laughs> Lakers game three against the Suns, it was 300. That's, yeah, I was like, that tells you right there how much people in Los Angeles care about the Clippers. I mean, I don't know if it'll even change if they win a title. It's it's kind no. of sad. It's just it's still the Laker town. And I think even once they, you know, they're looking to build their new arena out in Brentwood or wherever it is, mm -hmm. like, I don't think it will change anything because it just. I think the best thing for them would probably be to move. Honestly, if they really want to get their own fan base. Yeah, and it, even then, it's like you still have this weird Clippers you know, stain to it just from all the losing over the years. And they still have never been able to get there. And even if they do, you know, maybe it's more thought of, of a, a Kawhi thing more than a Clippers thing, but you know, I'm never going to count Kawhi out. He's, he was so good in game six and seven against Dallas, but I think the jazz are a different animal, man. I was talking to Chris Williams about this last week when I was with him. I think the Clippers are frauds, bro. I, I, I really do. And I, 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 mean, yeah. I think that as, as good as Kawhi has been at stretches in his career, you know, you saw Chris after they beat Dallas in, in game seven, he's tweeting Kawhi's the best player. And he texted me Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard's best player in the world and all this stuff. Yeah. And I was like, man, Kawhi Leonard has been the best player in the world for like week long stretches, certain number of times. But then when it comes time to do it on a given night, like he just won't play or he won't play well, or he just won't be able to make any shot in the fourth quarter. I don't know. Like I just, I, I can't trust that team. I, I just can't trust them. They don't, I don't like the way they play. I, when you rely so much on Reggie Jackson, I think that right. you're going to be in trouble. And then when your backup is Rondo, like we've seen Kawhi Leonard play and George and Paul George both play their best basketball when they had a different guy that could create for them and help them uh, by handling the ball with uh, with Kawhi. It was Kyle Lowry in Toronto and Tony Parker in San Antonio with Paul George. It was like uh, George Hill and Russell Westbrook yep. in, in Oklahoma yep. city. And just right now, like Rondo is old, <laughs> you know, he, is. He, he just isn't what he's always been. And then Reggie Jackson is just like a volume shooter that all of a sudden they thought was going to be this like point guard who cre could create for people. I think yeah. that they have serious roster issues that hold them back from being able to operate on a high level every night, unless Kawhi or Paul George has just like a huge night where they go for 40 something points. Yeah. You nailed it. And you know, I, I always forget what Morris brother is in 
The oh, uh, they've got Marcus Morris Sr. Yeah, yeah, Marcus, that's right. I always joke that the Morris brothers actually could just keep changing and nobody would know the difference. Well, now they're in Los Angeles. Like, Markeith could be yeah. out there on any given night. Yeah, and nobody knows. Right. They're still indistinguishable to me. Um, but, yeah, not enough. And, you know, when it's Zubak, and they got nothing this year from Serge Zubak. Like, literally nothing. Now it's supposed to be somebody that put them over the top. And Pat Beverly is just not the same anymore. I agree. I mean, when your third wheel is Reggie Jackson, Good luck. So, you know, can Kawhi and Paul George put, you know, 75 on the board every night? Sure. But I think the fact that the Jazz came back and won that game one is huge. They may they may put them away in five now. Yeah. It, it, Reggie Jackson is so funny to me because he, like, he's just never been, you know, that good of a player. Like, he's always been a solid guy. But when I see him on the floor, like he looks like a guy who on, you know, you on, on 2k, you create your player to have your <laughs> career. And he's got, he's got the goggles on, he's got his headband on, he's got two sleeves, two leg sleeves. He's got the big tall socks. I'm like, this guy looks like some, like a 12 year old created as my <laughs> player. And then somehow he ended up on the Clippers and now he's just out there jacking shots up while the other team doesn't even guard him. Like, it sounds like how I, thing. how, that sounds like how I play 2k. Yeah. See, yeah. yeah it's great. My guy, I'm like getting all the shots, a short white guy that yeah. makes like a short black guy <laughs> to be his, you know, like a super short black guy to be his player. And, and then he decks him out in all the accessories and everything. I was just, yeah. And I'm just, just, I'm just rack, racking up the numbers. Yeah. They're just, they're a, they're a guy away. They yeah. just don't have enough. And even if they beat the thing is though, it's so undecided in the West. Like I, Am I going to rule out Kawhi and Paul George against the Suns or the Nuggets? No. I mean, they, they, it's not going to surprise me. I, I still think, though, if I'm betting right now, I'm putting my $10 on the Jazz to come out of the West. And that's just because of how well they shoot the ball. That roster yeah. is perfectly constructed. It is. I mean, it, the it's weird because they don't have, like, the stars that all these other teams do. You know, Phoenix has Aiton and Booker and Chris Paul. Yep the Clippers have Leonard and all those guys. And then, you know, even with Denver, they've got a, a Jokic and then a Jamal Murray normally, but like they've got Donovan Mitchell, who is a bona fide star. They've got Rudy Gobert, who is a star in a sense. I think only the fourth player to win three defensive players of the year award. But like, yep. I don't think anybody thinks of him like that as a you know superstar, but then everybody else is just guys, but the guys that they have are perfect for what they need them to do. You know, George is perfect as a guy who can come off the bench and shoot the three Joe Ingles can make plays for you. He can shoot the three at a really high level. Royce young shoots the three at a or Royce O'Neal shoots Royce three at a yep. really high level. Uh, like all of those guys, Clarkson. like they just, they got Donovan Mitchell. They're like, Donovan Mitchell, we want you to do things, go do something. And then we're going to put a bunch of shooters around you and he'll go, he'll kick it out to them. And they'll just knock down open three pointers all night long. And the best chance for the Clippers is to slow that game way down, muck it up and keep them from getting out in transition and getting open threes. But then when you get into a situation where like Donovan Mitchell's feeling it and he's shooting from 40 feet, like you're going to be in trouble you know, either way. Yeah. And, and, and they, that's just, and they, uh, that's what makes that jazz team so dangerous is if they can get out and run and, and get threes up. And the Clippers did a great job of slowing the game down and jazz missed a bunch of shots in that first half, but Mitchell took over and they have, they have an alpha guy that can do it. You surround him with good players. I think Bogdanovich is really underrated. I like the Bogdanovich family. Yeah. They have a great, I have no idea if they're related, but uh, man, if they're they, not, uh, and that's a really weird thing that they both have the same name and are in the league at the same time. Yeah. I just, I, I like watching them play. I mean, they, they play, you know, if I were to just, and, and how about our boy Quinn Snyder is like one of the best coaches in the NBA. Right. So Quinn Snyder, 
was significantly outcoached multiple times by Wayne Morgan in his time at Missouri. I remember that. Well, Wayne won down in Columbia, like, I think twice against Quinn Snyder. And now look at Quinn Snyder. And Quinn I don't still, know where Wayne is. And Quinn still looks like he's coming off a seven day bender every time. He I, I, yeah. I mean, it's he, man, that guy, I don't know what's going on there, but I think he's a great architect of, of offense. What is he's up? He's up a lot of hours. Apparently. What does George's future look like to you? How long is, do you know how long he's locked in in Utah? I think he's got one more year. Okay. Um, so maybe not, it might even be this year, regardless, he's going to get money. And what has really changed the paradigm for him is he's always been able to get baskets, but he's shot the ball exceptionally well from three. I think he was top 15 in the NBA this year, like 42%, which is crazy. And Jared, 70% of his shots are from three now. Yeah. Like we always remember him, you know, in the post with his craftiness, you know, the mid range, he doesn't really do that anymore. It's almost all threes as a spot up shooter, but that's what's valued now in the NBA, but it's really changed the game for him. It's his ability to guard. He's not a liability on that end anymore. He's not a great defender, but he's capable. And you saw him even a couple times against the Clippers. He got matched up with the Paul George or Kawhi and, you know, they went at him, but he was able to hold his own. And that's, what's going to keep him. You know, I don't know what his shelf life is. I mean, George is what 28, 20 or so. So, yeah, but he's going to, his ne- he will get paid in his next contract. It won't be Taylor Horton Tucker money or Tyrese Halliburton money, but I would guess there's there. George could be in for like a three to four year deal at eight to $10 million per year. I don't think that's out of line. I mean, he's, his value is so high because people need shooters and that's not changing. See, and that's like, I think that's what people sometimes forget about the NBA is that, you know, you can be a really, really good college player and be really good at some things, but you're not going to stick until you're elite at something. Exactly. Whether that's protecting the rim, you know, which is how a guy like Rudy Gobert is able to stick or a, a Clint Capella, who's an elite rim protector and, and uh, rim runner. I mean, George, as good of a scorer as he was in college, like if he hadn't been willing to adapt his game in some way, he was never going to be able to stick. And he proved to be or made himself into an elite shooter. And that's what's going to allow him to stick around. Like Monte is an elite playmaker. He's an elite guy that you can just trust in taking care of the basketball. You know that things aren't going to completely fall apart when you put him on the floor. Uh, But, you know, even like a guy like Deontay Burton, like the reason I think that someone like him doesn't stick is because he – as good as he was at all of those things, like just being, and he was an elite athlete, but like he wasn't elite at anything in a basketball sense that that prevents him from being able to consistently get contracts and stick around in the league. Same with like a Deandre Kane, why he never made it. Is he just wasn't. Well, it didn't help that he was like 27 when he went. That too. That too. Um, No, you're, you're dead on. You have to be elite at something to stick, especially as a role player. Now George is unrestricted free agent this this summer. So, Um, we'll see. I think, I think somebody, somebody like you know, the Lakers could use him. <laughs> somebody like the Lakers. Yeah, I, could yeah, use him. I, mean, I don't know. Although he's smart enough that I think he realizes the fit is really good with the right. jazz because he can basically play that Joe Ingles role, that Bogdanovich role mm-hmm. where there's a spot for him and he plays really well off a of superstar like a Mitchell and a Gobert because he's never going to be a great rim presence and he's not going to be a guy that's going to take you off the bounce really. And so he needs those other supplemental pieces with him and the jazz are perfect for George Yang. Now, do they have the money to pay him six, seven, $8 million a year? I don't know, 
I mean, I don't know how that works, but he's currently making 1.7. He will at least double that, probably even quadruple that next year, which is cool for him. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. All right, really quick, make your prediction for both those series. What do you think is going to happen? I think it's, I think it's jazz and sons and the jazz emerge out of the West. Okay. All right. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll talk about the Eastern conference here on the cyclone flag podcast network. Welcome back into the Cyclone Fanatic podcast. Jared Stansbury, Brent Bloom. We're talking about the NBA playoffs, moving on to the Eastern Conference. Uh, I think we both have know who's probably going to come out of the East, so we'll get to the Brooklyn Nets uh, in just a minute. Man, what Trey Young has done so far this playoffs for the Atlanta Hawks, and he got you know Philadelphia made some adjustments after the first half of Game One that really have slowed him down a little bit, putting Ben Simmons on him. But that guy's another one who I think has proven. He can be not just a great player on a really bad team that puts up crazy numbers, but he can be like a floor general. And I was listening to somebody the other day, you know, compare him a little bit to Steph Curry. And he's not near as good of a shooter as what Steph is in the sense of being like, I mean, what Steph does as a shooter is unbelievable, but I think he's a better playmaker than what Steph was at that point in his career in creating for other people, what he can do slashing to the basket and, you know, finishing around the rim but people still forget he never won in Hilton Coliseum. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, that's right. And that's all that matters to me. Oh, and one baby can't, can't be outdueled by Lindell Wigginton. That is right. That is right. Uh, no, it's and Zoran Talley. People yeah. forget about Zoran Talley. Um, no, he's, he surprised me. You know, I, I thought he'd be a volume scorer in the NBA. I knew he'd be able to, because he'd shoot all the time. He'd score. I did not think he'd have the toughness and what he has really been this year has been efficient, much more efficient than his first two years was a lot like Oklahoma where he would shoot it all the time. It was a bad team and he'd get numbers, but it was like, does this really matter? Can you really win with Trey young? And he has surprised me because well, this year they, they started the year, what like 15 and Oh, or something like that. And then lost like 10 of their last 15. I mean, something crazy. Yeah. Oh, that Oklahoma. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then it was just like, man, I don't know if you can win with this guy. And then they got bounced, I think by Rhode Island. If I mem- they remember, they barely right. made the tournament. If I remember, yeah. right. I think they were an so, eight or a nine seed or something like that. He has shown though, he has grown. And then his toughness in that New York series is really cool because you know, they went at him. I mean, the New York did, they've got some tough guys and the fans went at him and he embraced it. And even game one of Philly, he's like, bring it on, yo. Like I can, I can carry this team, which is really neat at his age. And ultimately the Hawks don't have Joel Embiid. And I think he's probably the difference in that series, but Atlanta's going, not going down without a fight. And I see that going all of seven. I don't know, man. I don't know about that. I think the only way that goes seven is if the, if the Sixers do something stupid, which I think was proven to be a possibility at the end of the first half the other night when Joel Embiid basically tried to fight Danilo Gallinari for no reason. And I was, I just, I was just like, what are you doing, my boy? Yeah, I, but I just, I think the Hawks are, you know, the Hawks since late February were one of the best teams in the NBA. And, you know, Trey, he's, he needs to be elite every game, right? Like you can't, they don't have a whole lot at guard. I mean, you, when you're other guard, I mean, Bogdanovich has been pretty good. Uh, Herder's okay. Like they, they need probably one more there. Lou Williams is 50 years old at this point, but they just, you know, Capella does his job. I think John Collins is a really good big. And I think they're scrappy enough that they can win a couple of games down in Atlanta. 
maybe or at least split. And then maybe you pick up game six down there too. And then make, you know, I think Philly's ultimately better, but Philly's also spacey enough and they don't shoot it great. That if Seth Curry, I mean, they needed uh, Milton to go nutty in games. They didn't need him to, but he did. Like, I don't know if you're going to rely on that uh, to be, you know, do you, can you have the other, the, the diet Coke version of the Curry brother and uh, the other Danny green. Yeah. Well, can, can they, can they carry the torch? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Embiid is so good that it will probably won't matter, but I think the Hawks are scrappy to make this interesting. Danny green. I was thinking about this during their game the other night. Danny green is the best bad shooter ever. Like, or he average misses, shooter. Yeah. He, he has made some monstrous shots in his career, but if you look at his numbers, like of his consistency numbers, he is not that good of a shooter, but yet he's carved himself a career of being the sharpshooter because of, you know, what he did in the finals that year with San Antonio, when he made the most threes in the NBA finals. And then like what he was he, able to do in Toronto. But if you need him it, on a given night, like you, you can't rely on Danny green. It's amazing. When they think about how many, championship teams that guy's been a part of yeah he was on the lakers as well last year and i mean didn't do a lot for that team but good for him and he missed some of his misses are like not even close it's it's he's a very strange player but he's a decent defender and he's going to keep getting minutes and you know i think the sixers are are very solid and but you never know Embiid's health right like he it could be you know he bangs up a knee again and then they're in trouble so well it's they're, they're clearly see, better but i mean he'll be like in every time that he does anything, I'm terrified he's going to get hurt. So many of these big men are made of glass, dude. Yeah. Like I, it is crazy to see how some of these guys, you know, an Anthony Davis, a Joel Embiid, like something that just looks absolutely normal. All of a sudden they're hurting out for six weeks. Like it, it, it makes no sense to me. And I saw there was a study that came out earlier this week that uh, about the soft tissue injuries in the NBA. And I think a lot of that probably can be attributed to how they condense so much of the year, which is a, something the NBA I think is going to really regret doing eventually. But I mean, I don't think any of them, either of those teams is going to beat Brooklyn. I think Philadelphia will come out of that series and then maybe Philly could give Brooklyn, you know, a solid run in a couple games. But if anybody who's seen what they've done to Milwaukee in these first two games, unless we just vastly overrated Milwaukee, which again is a complete possibility because maybe the heat were just God awful and the in Milwaukee is kind of uh, reverted to what they did before where it's stand around and watch Giannis do something while everybody else just stands there. And yeah, I, I think that Brooklyn is going to run away with this thing. This See, point. it's interesting because I, I, I thought Milwaukee in that Miami series was the best team in the playoffs, you know, that for that series. And then they just completely gone into a turtle shell. It's very strange. And, you know, Giannis has never been successful in the playoffs. He can't shoot still. He's not great at the free throw line. And Drew Holiday has just not been. And Middleton has disappeared too. Like they, they need one of those guys to do something. And I wouldn't shock me if they win tonight. In fact, they're favored. But yeah, they are just been a huge disappointment. And I don't know what you do with that team because ultimately you've given three different iterations with Giannis here. And you haven't gotten past the Western Conference final or semis or Eastern, excuse me, Eastern. So what do you do? And then if, if Harden's healthy, you can't guard Brooklyn. Like you just hope to keep up. You hope to keep up and, and you hope, you know, you can put up 125 when they score 122. But when those three are on, they're just impossible to defend. And I don't know what his health status is, but Milwaukee, huge disappointment, huge disappointment for me. What do you think of that Brooklyn team? How do you feel about them? I hate them. I, I hate them. I, I, 
I'm not. I love to watch him play, but I hate him. Yeah, great individual talents, and then you've got you know fake tough guy Blake Griffin adds to the mix, and it just man, that's he's that is not the Blake Griffin that... that we've seen the last ten years. That's 2010 Blake Griffin. Brooklyn invented a time machine, and they went and got 2010 Blake Griffin. But you notice he he's always picking on like a six two guy. I just like pick on someone your own size, Blake. Anyway, I if if he's that way, and then they've just kind of found that you know, what Nate, whatever his name, Mike green or Nate J Nate J I, whatever the, the kid from Europe who it was great in game one. I hadn't heard of Nate James anyway. Oh, Mike little, James. I think Mike James. Name. Yeah. Mike James. And then I you got Joe Harris. Like, who, I've never I mean, heard. Yeah. Doesn't miss. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think they're really solid. And when Kyrie and Durant are just unbelievable talents, very odd personalities, but when those, if you could just separate the person, from the basketball talent. I mean, just watching Kyrie, what he can do with the basketball is incredible. And he's fun to watch just in small sections, but yeah, as a team, I don't care for Brooklyn. I think they're very good. I just think it'd be an interesting way for another, if they win the championship, I don't think that necessarily bodes well for the sport because it's basically a team, another super team. And I, I just, I'd rather see somebody like the jazz win it with continuity over a couple of years, but that's just my old man elitist going. And the thing about them is like, as much as I didn't like the golden state warriors, mostly because I, I mean, I, I, you know, I was more of a LeBron guy and, you know, I just, I didn't like Steph that much. And, and then once KD went there, that just amplified the whole thing, but it's, there was still like some level of it being organic like yes. nothing about this is organic and nothing. like who is a Brooklyn Nets fan? You know, there's, I think there's nothing good about Brooklyn winning a title for, I, for the NBA as a league. It just is one of those things that I think we're going to look back on eventually and be like, man, that was not yeah. a good time. Yeah. Anything. And, and it would be good for the legacy of Harden, Durant and Irving. Okay. Good for them. Probably, probably makes them all hall of famers. But uh, Durant I mean, already Durant is. already would have been it, and yeah. probably James and, Harden, Harden too. too. But like, I agree. Is, is it though? Because I feel like for Kevin Durant, like we've never seen Kevin Durant like have to do it by himself. I mean, he did kind of when he was with Russ, and like when Russ got hurt. But it just all of Durant's titles feel cheap, even if he was the best player on the team when he was when they won it's, them. It's interesting because you know in the mid two thousands and nineties, it was always, well, you're nothing unless you win a title. And now it's almost changed to, well, if you win a title with a super team, it doesn't really count. And so I get where it's unfair somewhat for these guys. Well, what do I have to do then? Because we're killing Giannis for not getting anywhere, but yeah, we'll kill Durant too, because he's winning titles with super teams. But I, I totally get it. They're not a fun team to, to cheer for at all. And you nailed it. It's just, I don't think it's necessarily healthy for the NBA. If those guys were on the Knicks, it'd be a little different and that's not fair to them, but it's just the nature of, it just seems like this create a team again, in a 2k reference. It's like you create a Brooklyn team out of nowhere. And all of a sudden you raid the rockets because Harden didn't want to play anymore. And here we are. So yeah, maybe it, Kyrie, I, I don't know. I, I think, I still think if it's them and the jazz, I'm putting my money on the jazz. I just, I just think the continuity, if Conley's healthy, will, will ultimately win out. Cause I think the jazz can keep up. And I think I was listening to Bill Simmons and Chuck Klosterman talk about this on his podcast yesterday, where they were kind of talking about the phenomenon of stars all teaming up and stuff like that. And I, 
I think there's going to come a day where the NBA is going to have to be like, you know, they've tried to do things to decentivize doing that, but it's like when your options are making $50 million playing for the team you're already on or 40 on a new team, like what's the difference in $10 million? Yeah. They have to do something, I think, to try and alter that. But it's like, even, you know, well, Jordan never would have teamed up with anybody. Well, Jordan didn't have the option to really even do that. Sure. That that. just wasn't even a thing, Mm -hmm. you know, but now it's like, if that's what it takes to win a title, like I can't blame anybody for doing it. I don't like it, but I can't blame anybody, you know? Well, and then what the latest thing here now is you've got players who are on bad teams like Blake Griffin in Detroit who will get bought out and then they'll join a super team to make them even better for pennies on the dollar. I mean, right. I don't After know what Blake Griffin basically sat in a wheelchair for half the, yeah. like he like didn't even want to play. He's like, just get rid of me. And now he's, he was, he's been great in the first two games and you know, he's always had the talent, but you put him now in a, in a team that he wants to play hard on and he's really good again. Mm-hmm. So this, and even the Lakers did the same thing last year where they had a couple of guys that, you know, were bought out or they got laid at the trade deadline who, or suddenly rejuvenated once they Skinny got on a winning team. Skinny Dwight has <laughs> a second career. I was going to ask you about your boy. What's it, how you feel seeing him now? He's rejuvenated. He was flexing to the crowd in Philadelphia. The other he made his first bucket of the night, got his first rebound, and all of a sudden he's flexing to the on the baseline to the Philadelphia crowd. I was like, man, Skinny Dwight is back. Oh, the stories of that guy <laughs> that that I have. He's he's still. What, I think he's thirty four now, thirty five, and he's still a twelve year old at heart. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right. Anything else you want to touch on before we sign off? No, I, I mean, this has been fun. I, I do think, uh, you know, again, I, I think the jazz, I'm hoping the jazz with George go all the way, but these will be entertaining. And I I'm hopeful the bucks at least make this interesting because if the nets go four Oh, I'm I, that would not be enjoyable to watch who, uh, or uh, how long until we see Tyrese Halberton in the playoffs? I, they're, they're still a mess over there in Sacramento. I don't know what, yeah, I don't, they've got, and they've got some bad contracts. I don't think they can get in next year with the way they're constructed. Um, we'll see who they can get in the draft, but I would say 2023, they'll be like a seven or an eight seed or maybe in that playing game because the playing game or whatever they call it, it's not going away, man. They're like, uh, the Sacramento Kings are like Nebraska football. So they're two years away. They're always too. And I thought this year they'd be much better. And buddy healed our, our friend is just not, it's just not doing it for making 24 million a year. Yeah. All right, man. This is fun. We'll, uh, we'll have to do it again here sometime. And, uh, absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for doing it. Talk to everybody again soon. Peace.